you know, I just have to tell you, Stu. I uh, I'm stupid. I'm uh, I think you started out uh, the last hour of the podcast uh, trying to make fun of me, <laughs> and I think by the end I turned it around, and everybody went, "Wow, Stu is a loser." What a great point. Hmm, that's, that's how you saw that one, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunately how I saw it. Okay, welcome to the podcast. Uh, you'll have to listen to that last part of the podcast yourself, and you decide, uh, you know, how big of an idiot Stu really is in the end. Um, we talked to Bill O'Reilly. We go over all of the uh, clips from Joe Biden last night. What, what a circus. What a, no, what a sad state. The country is in when our president speaks like that. That does not instill confidence in anyone. It's terrifying to watch. I mean, if you think really about your, your president, uh, whether you like him or not, is still the guy who's running the, you know, the executive branch just, of this government. Just think, and this is not going to happen, thank God, but just think. Let's say the Russians decide to launch missiles. You know, this could happen into, you know, someplace, Ukraine. And they are threatening missile launch. And somebody runs into the uh, into the Oval Office and says, Mr. President, we have to make a decision right now. Oh, my gosh. Do you feel comfortable with that? <laughs> Watch Russia. They, they know this. Wow. Uh, so anyway, we go into that. We also talk to you a little bit about the uh, gun control that's happening. And like I said, Stu looks like an idiot by the end of the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> what a better way to end it. Uh, Bill O'Reilly as well. Uh, don't forget. Uh, BlazeTV.com slash Glenn is the place to go. Promo code is control right now. You can get 20% off your subscription. By the way, I said Bill O'Reilly at the beginning. It shows uh, that Stu never listens to me. Yeah, that, and you'll learn that at the end of the podcast, you too. You could say that Scott Atlas was also on the podcast. But, uh, Scott Atlas is also on the podcast. I, I don't know if anyone, anyone now, knows that. Uh, but you can check that out. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, rate and review, as well as the podcast Stu Does America, available right now for free. Oh, my free. gosh, self-promotion. Rate and Here's review. the podcast. Yes, indeed it is. Things, not everything sucks. Not everything. I mean, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb. Not everything, not everything sucks. There are some good things that are happening. We just told you about what was happening in uh, South Carolina and all over the country for people who are trying to stand for the Second Amendment. Uh, and there is a big push now and everybody is, you know, going back and forth on transgender, uh, you know, issues with People competing against uh, women in women's sports who used to be a man, yada, yada. And it's been very, very divisive. And, of course, if you are on one side, you're a homophobe bigot. If you're on the other side, uh, you can do no wrong. How do we get past all of this? We get past all of this by people just having some common sense and looking at some issues with common sense the fact that you can have that the state will allow your child to have life altering drugs when there what was the last one i saw that the parents lost the right at like eight years old 
uh, and the child decided they wanted to be a different gender and the state said, yep, sorry. And the parents, wait, 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 what? Eight, 12, 15. If you want to do something to your body, that's fine. But once your brain has fully developed is a probably a, a good standard. There is a Democrat uh, that is pushing uh, a trans surgery ban for minors. Now, he's a, a black Democrat, and I want to start uh, right away. First of all, welcome to the program, uh, Caesar McKnight. How are you, sir? Good morning, Glenn. How are you? I'm good. Um, I first want to start by giving you the opportunity, and I, I, I so despise that this has to be done. But you're not homophobic. You're not transphobic. You're none of the phobics. Correct. You're, you're absolutely right. And in fact, to, to, for, to further display my the, the fact that I'm not phobic in any way, I was one of the chief persons on our judiciary committee fighting to put in protections in our hate crime bill for transgender, for LGBTQ people. I mean, there was a they stripped it out in the beginning in the subcommittee and in the full committee, we were able to put it back in. So I have to tell people, are you going to why don't you judge me by what I've done? And that is I've worked hard to make sure that transgender people are protected from acts of violence. Right. So when I hear someone tell me I'm transphobic, I laugh at that. Right. And it's, it's crazy how no matter what you did in the past does not matter unless you're 100 percent on board right now. So tell me what you're uh, what you're trying to do in South Carolina. This is becoming a South Carolina doesn't suck uh, hour. Uh, <laughs> well, what, what is it you're trying to do? Essentially, what this bill does is House Bill 4047 says that no child in South Carolina will be it will be able to undergo transgender surgery or transgender hormonal therapy under the age of 18. So if a person's under the age of 18, they cannot have transgender surgery. Anyone older than 18, they can. That's all it does. And why do you think why? Why are you giving 18? I mean, why? Why are you coming well, up with that? I, I can't, Well, actually, I, science says that people don't fully develop with regard to their brain until they're 25. Right. But I wanted I, I wanted to reach a compromise. 20. Mm -hmm. I knew 25 would be a bit extreme. Yeah. Um, we allow kids to smoke cigarettes at 18. We allow them to get tattoos at 18. Right. So, OK, I see this as a compromise. Yeah, I saw you uh, say that, uh, you know, it's it's a little unreasonable that you can't get a tattoo until you're 18. But heck, you could go have, you know, hormone blocking <laughs> drugs, you know, when you're 12. That's a, exactly. that's I, go ahead. It's ridiculous. It, it's, it's simply ridiculous. And I, I want you to understand that I've gotten some significant blowback, but I've also gotten some significant support, particularly from people who are transgender and LGBT. They're just some people that have a political agenda. And if you aren't 1000% with them, you're their arch enemy. I don't, I've been in the state legislature now for going on eight years. I don't deal like that. That's not how you get things done. I compromise with people, the things that I can work with you on, I work with you on and the things that I can't, I won't work with you on, but I won't demonize you at the same time either. You know, it's, uh, it's interesting uh, to me that, because I think I know a lot of gay people. I don't think no, I don't have any transgender friends, but wouldn't be opposed to it. Um, but uh, it is it's amazing to me that usually the ones in the gay community that I know are 
you know, they've they've pushed for gay rights and gay marriage, et cetera, et cetera. But then after that passed, they're kind of like, what is the rest of this? What what is happening to us? And it is those few that have this extreme agenda uh, that are pushing it. And I, I quite honestly, I see that from a lot of white people uh, on the African-American community. Uh, yeah. And, and what I've tried to tell my, my white progressive friends is that African-Americans tend to be much more socially conservative than their white progressive counterparts. I'll give you an example. In my legislative district, I've got nothing but overwhelming support from this bill. I've had people who are the head of my uh, ministerial alliance reach out to me. They are all supportive of this. And my legislative district is almost 65 percent African-American. And even the white evangelicals that live in my community have told me we never voted for you before, but we will vote for you now. So to me, this issue is a win win issue at home. And my job, number one in the legislature is to take care of of home so they're happy i'm happy let me ask you this um because we just had tom corbin on from uh south carolina i'd be interested in what you thought of his uh unorganized militia bill um i haven't really had an opportunity to study that bill in particular but what what i will tell you is where i stand on the second amendment i'm very much so pro second amendment um I'll just give you a brief history. My parents ran a nightclub, liquor store, a bail bonding company, and a taxi cab company. The Holy most dangerous businesses you could, ha- you could have. So, yeah. it's, the only, it's like, I, and we did it well in war. I mean, that's a, and, wow. And I, I, said all, I said all that to say this. I'm not going to put any American citizen in a position to where they can't protect themselves. I wouldn't do it to my parents, and I'm not going to do it to anyone else. So that's where I, I, I'm an avid hunter. I own firearms, I skeet shoot regularly, and I think that we have, you can have responsible gun ownership in this country, and that's where I stand. And I'm not going to support anything that's going to take away the rights of, of citizens to bear arms. I'm as, not. As a, uh, as a Democrat, how do we speak to other, you know, Democrats that have not gone all woke and crazy about the modern sporting rifle? It's an AR is what people use to hunt now how do we how do we explain an ar looks spooky but it's not any different it's kind of hard for me to explain it to anyone i was in the army so i know how to use an ar-15 i mean that's what you learn in basic training right and i think that all the people that are giving the most you know the most forceful blowback are talking about the ar-15 have never used one they've never been to a rifle range and they they're trying to put this one size fits all gun control thing on all of America. What works in New York City does not work in King Street, South Carolina. Right. So I think it's a local issue and you need to let your local legislature speak to those issues. So in your district, how 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 is Biden doing? How are the national Democrats doing? Is there what how are they viewed? Um, well, Vice President, I'm, pardon me, President Biden is very well liked in my legislative district. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really like um, President Biden. They know him. They trust him. Um, Speaker Pelosi, uh, Leader Schumer, they're 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 not they're not as highly regarded. Um, again, you're talking about San Francisco and New York City. So there's not a lot of commonality there. I mean, this is the land of barbecue, macaroni and cheese and 
and, and various <laughs> other southern dishes. There's no, there ain't no tofu in Cape right. Street, South Carolina. Right. So it's it, they're not as well regarded as Joe Biden. Is. Uh, Representative uh, Caesar McKnight from uh, South Carolina, a Democrat and a Democrat. I'm I'm glad you're in in office. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Good golly, Mr. Bill O'Reilly. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm okay, Beck. Thank you for asking. Thanks for having me on. You bet. We're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to cut our time short today uh, because we're just so jam packed with things to do. And I, but I, I want to get through all the things that you think are important. Let's start with the president's press conference. Okay. Mm-hmm. First of all, I think you should take a listener poll on whether you should cut me short. Uh, I think you're already taken it. Why do you think we're cutting yourself? Outrage! I got nothing uh, uh, after you. Okay, (laughs) Uh, okay. Presidential press conference. Mm -hmm. I am going to quote Dion. Okay. All right. right. Remember Dion? Dion the Belmont? Mm, Barely, barely. But I know. All right, all right. Okay. I'm quoting Dion. Ready? Mm -hmm. Yes. They call me the Wanderer. The Wanderer. (laughs) I roam around and around and around. Unquote. (laughs) Dion. That right. is, it is amazing how bad it was yesterday. Well, I'm nicknaming President Biden uh, the Wanderer mm-hmm. because he uh, gets up there and he just goes wherever he wants to go. He ruminates, word of the day, ruminates for stew. Um, <laughs> but the problem is that many times when he's ruminating and wandering, he forgets what his train of thought is. Uh-huh. He can't bring it back. So I'm talking to Glenn Beck now, everyone. Um, and we're having a discussion about the presidential press conference. and I'm making some wise guy comments. But, um, you know, if I forget my train of thought, then the whole thing crashes. He's not able to bring it back. All right. And that is a little troubling. And the other thing that was troubling yesterday is that he misstated facts. I mean, big, big facts. Now, I got a whole bunch of mail here in my lap from BillOReilly.com viewers, because we do TV every night, as you know. And they, oh, he's lying. He's lying. He's lying. I don't think he knows what he's saying. Oh, I, may I give you an example of this? Can we play the part on infrastructure? There's, this is from the same press conference. Literally 60 seconds apart from each other. Here's cut one. I still think the majority of the American people don't like the fact that we are now ranked, what, 85th in the world in infrastructure? I mean, okay, stop. 85th in the world. 60 seconds later, here he is. We have somewhere uh, in terms of infrastructure, we have, we rank 13th globally in infrastructure. Wait a minute. we we live in such a high-tech age it just whipped right in 30 seconds yeah uh, up from 85 to 13 right you are agreeing with me back that he doesn't know yeah he doesn't he doesn't know he has no idea here's here's the important part of this okay he said i'm quoting president biden There is a significant increase in the number of people coming to the border in the winter months of January, February, March. It happens every year. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, mm-hmm. so he's denying that there's a border surge. Um, that's unusual. The truth is that between February 20th, that's Trump in 2020, and February 2021, Border Patrol apprehensions are up 174 percent. Yeah, but only 174. Yeah. I mean, that's only only 13 percent. So you get the president of the United States looking into the camera going, hey, you know, this not any problem. This always happens. It's not any worse now. Total lie a hundred percent lie or 174 percent right right okay so which is only three percent you would think that the press corps would know that this was fallacious another word of the day right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and because they come armed with the facts the press corps does you know everybody knows how good and brilliant they are not one challenge to that be and not one stat quoted by the nine reporters who were called upon. See, you interview a president in a fact-based way. You don't give them room to run like uh, Yamachi uh, Alcindor. What is her name, the PBS person? I mean, she should, she should be the PBS correspondent and Biden's spokesperson. Just run from seat to the podium and run back. Okay? So, I mean, is it, and she was second. Oh, you're Mucci. I went with time your mind. Oh, you're the greatest. Okay, thank you. <laughs> so, um, it, but it's disturbing for me as an American, not just as a journalist, all right, to see the President of the United States, and Biden believes it. That's, and people don't believe me when I tell you this. He believes there's no problem down there. He, he, oh, no, no, no. You've, you've said this. You've it. said this for the last couple of weeks that you think he is so out of touch that he has really, truly no idea what's going he has, on. Along with Elvis, he's left the building. OK, he does. Well, but he's know. had a good I mean, he's had a good long run. Could you please? Well, that's great. Could you please put president. Biden and played Biden enter the Senate? This is him yesterday. Do you have it? Biden enters the Senate. Yeah. With regard to the filibuster, I believe we should go back to a position of the filibuster that existed just when I came to the United States Senate 120 years ago. If it holds near and dear. Stops. That was a joke. That was a jest. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. No, it wasn't. That was a jest. Okay. You think Uh, so? Yes. Yes. He was trying to be funny, but he didn't pause and smile. Because he doesn't know what he's saying. I'm just telling you. He does, they, they, look, he came in with 150 pages of notes, giant crayon written notes, giant notes. All right? Yeah. So he doesn't know. Okay, and, and wait, 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 wait. How, Have you yeah. ever seen in a press conference, uh, yeah. Wallace said last night, who's not a, you know, he's not exactly anti-Biden. Um, he came no, out and is, said, this is the same Chris Wallace that said that, that Biden gave the greatest and yes. speech of all time. Right? Yes. This, yes. That, okay. So okay. he came out and he yeah. said last night, I covered Reagan and I've never seen a president come out with talking point notes like uh, Joe Biden did. Do you agree with that? Yeah, and they were written in crayon. Giant no, they letters. were not. They were not. They were typed out. Yeah, no, he comes right. out, and he she just he should say it. He should just say it. Hey, I got a whole bunch of notes here because I don't want to screw up. If he said that 
most Americans go, okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, I understand you don't want to screw up, so you're going to be precise and read off the page. Because he knew the China question was coming. Mm-hmm. And so the China question comes, he, pick, he looks down, he reads the whole answer, and that's that. But, but this, I just want to make one more point, because this is clearly, clearly should be worrisome for the American people. And this was the absolute nadir, third word of the day, of the press conference. He looks into the camera, the President of the United States says, you know what? Here's how we're solving the border thing. And remember, we have hundreds of thousands of foreign nationals pouring into the United States. Hundreds of thousands. All right? Here's how I'm solving it. I'm going to send Vice President Harris down to Central America with $700 million and get to the root causes of why the people are coming here. I'm going... Does anyone on earth think that this is going to solve the problem? Does anyone on earth not know why millions of people in third world countries want to live in the United States? Does anyone not know that? We have to spend $700 million on root causes. Here it is, Joe Biden. If you live in Honduras, you don't have anything. You will never have anything. If you come here, you could work hard and build a good life. That's it. We don't need Kamala Harris to go down there and tell us that. You are not going to solve a problem that's been underway since the Aztecs. Do you get it? (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm sitting there. It's just, it's almost like third grade again. I'm flashing back to St. Bridget's School. It's third grade. This guy is at that level. Bill, tell me how you think we're moving on gun control. What do you foresee happening here? Well, it's not going to be a issue that's resolved uh, because the Second Amendment is fairly clear and the Supreme Court, as comprised, is not going to ban allow any bans or confiscation or anything like that. So all the people who want their guns and love the guns and uh, that kind of thing, uh, you just you don't have to worry, right? But what could happen is you could have public safety compromises. For example, if you buy an AR, then you would register the AR so that people would know if it's stolen. Um, if you are a lunatic all of a sudden, that you have a heavy weapon in your house. I don't think that's unreasonable, but you're never going to get it unless the progressive left, the Democratic Party, um, compromises on gun crimes themselves. See, the stats are that mass murder, like in Colorado and Atlanta, comprise 0.02% of all gun homicides. And that comes from a University of California Davis study, not exactly a conservative bastion. So this is not the essential problem of gun violence in America. The problem is criminals selling narcotics or holding up stores using guns. That's where 76% of the homicides occur. But the progressive left doesn't want to do anything about that. In fact, they are letting gun criminals out of jail in Chicago and New York City. Do you know that? 
Which is why, Bill, quite honestly, I don't buy into your first uh, theory because I believe you on the second. I know those stats are right. Um, your first theory is that you don't have anything to worry about. They're not doing this for common sense. But they can't anything. overcome the Supreme Court. So you, when you say they, yeah, might it pass the House? Yeah. Could it? They jam it through the Senate. I doubt it, but it's possible. But as soon as they do and Biden signs it, there'll be a federal uh, court challenge and it'll be stayed and the Supreme Court will hear it. It wasn't the last time they had an AR ban. Well, that was way back in what? 2008? Three? Uh, 2004 when, when is when it uh, slipped through. The, the yeah, Supreme Court is, ended. is back, as you know, the court is much different now than it was back then. And the country is so polarized now way more than it was back then. I mean, Bush, he wanted that. The Republican president wanted that. Remember? Mm -hmm. Now, Republicans don't want any part of the progressive central government telling them what they can and can't do. Am I correct? Yes, you are. There's not one traditional conservative that wants the federal government to have more power. Not one. So we're living in a totally different country now. Let me uh, let me go to the filibuster. Uh, last night, here's what uh, Joe Biden said about the filibuster. The one I asked for. 50 votes there it is. so that the vice president of the United States can break the tie or I get 51 votes without her. And so I'm going to say something outrageous. I have never been particularly poor at calculating how to get things done in the United States Senate. So the best way to get something done, if you if you hold near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to. Anyway, I'm, we're going to get a lot done. And if we have to, if there's complete lockdown and chaos as a consequence of the filibuster, then we'll have to go beyond what I'm talking about. What does he mean by that? <laughs> well, he means that he's going to do what he's told to do. That's what he means. So if they tell him, they being Susan Rice and McClain, Ron Klain, uh, the chief of staff, they tell him, hey, you know, Mr. President, we got to really um, knock the filibuster out. So you got to get behind that. And uh, yeah, he will. I mean, he's going to do what he's told to do. He doesn't have any principles. He doesn't have that's gone. This is a guy who is in the White House, who is absolutely incapable of making an independent decision. Would you agree with me? Uh, sadly, I would. Sadly, okay. I would. That's where we are as a country. And I'll tell you what, next year, 2022, if Americans don't wise up, and, and it's not the Republican Party is so great. They're not. They're not. But these people are dangerous. These progressive left people are dangerous to your freedom, to your family. And if you don't get it now by watching what's happening in this country, if you don't get it, then you're going to lose your country. And I'm not saying that with any exaggeration. You're going to lose your personal freedom. You're going to lose your money. They're coming after your assets. You want that? Continue to vote. Democrats into office. Yes or no question here, Bill. Um, I just did what the Washington Post did. Uh, the Washington Post reports podcast, which was covering this. 
they then never mentioned the huge gaffe where he completely lost control of his faculties in the middle. Is that worth covering or not? No, not for the Washington Post. That's not right. a newspaper okay, yeah, anymore. Right. Okay, all right. Um, Bill, we've got about uh, 60, 60 or 80 seconds. All right. Okay, Beck. Here we go. Ready? Yes. Get a pen, get a paper. I got it. Pre-order Killing the Mob on BillOReilly.com. You get 50% off Killing Crazy Horse, which just passed 500,000, a half million in sales last week. Pretty good because there are no bookstores open. Yep. Killing the Mob. I sent it to Beck. Someone will read it to him no, someday. No, you have not sent it to me. Yes, I have. Okay Pinocchio. okay, Pinocchio. Anyway, you'll love it. <laughs> You're going to read it. You'll like Crazy Horse. Bing. And then please consider premium membership on BillOReilly.com. You just heard Beck and I. All right, we gave you the truth, the unvarnished truth, which you're not going to get in the Washington Post or on cable or on network news, okay? Consider it premium membership to BillOReilly.com. Always Mr. a pleasure to have Thank uh, you. a conversation with you, Beck. Thank you very much, sir. Mr. Bill O'Reilly. This is the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Normally on Friday, we continue with Bill O'Reilly, um, and that's always entertaining and important. However, there is something that is happening in the podcast that has uh, been uh, downloaded yesterday for Blaze TV subscribers. It will be available for everyone tomorrow, wherever you get your podcast. But I urge you to listen to it. Now, this is not something that is going to be mainstream and the reason why is because this is kind of like when I talk about Woodrow Wilson. Now, everybody, and it might have been you at one point, if you're a longtime listener of mine, you'd go, why is this guy continually talking about Woodrow Wilson? And then all of a sudden you got it and you were like, oh, my gosh, that's so important that I know that. Now I understand the progressive movement, right? They are now saying that they are looking for right wing extremists and the media and everybody else is saying that they're Christians, uh, that they're uh, white supremacists, etc., etc. And you and I both know that's not true. However, what I know that you most likely don't know is that there is a global movement that is now here in America. And I've been warning about it for how long, Stu? Least a decade? Years and years and years, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Years and years and years. Mm -hmm. And it has fallen on deaf ears. And I'm begging you, please listen to this podcast. This is going to play a role, and it will be a very dangerous road. It is capital T traditionalism. And if you've ever heard me talk about Alexander Dugan, this is what he is pushing and it is happening in Europe and it is now here in America. There are three leaders, global leaders of this movement. Two of them now live in America. One, I don't think really affects us because all of his influence is in South America some reason or another, he's decided to move here to America, but he still is influential in South America and Brazil in particular. The other one 
is very involved here and you will know the name first let's go to um what is traditionalism listen from the podcast if the average person was asked to define what a traditionalist is I might define myself as a traditionalist. I believe in the Constitution. I believe in the Founding Fathers. I, uh, I believe in America. I, I go to church on Sundays. You know, I believe in, you know, God and mom and apple pie and Chevrolet. But that's not what we're talking about. Everything that you just described, I think, could be labeled traditionalist with a lowercase t. Mm-hmm. And that's the only little bit of help that we get here in, in identifying what this is. Right. When we talk about an uppercase t traditionalism, we're talking about a very, very small spiritual and eventually political movement that really comes into existence in the early 1900s. And yes, they might share with you a belief that things used to be better. Mm-hmm. Or that maybe the principles that we should live our lives through today and which we should hold to in the future were established in the past. Right. And therefore that we should be critical of the notion of progress. Right. Mm-hmm. But they wrap all of that in in something far more arcane and esoteric. And they wrap it all in in a sort of worship of the past and also a belief that where we are headed right now is going to lead us to destruction and that that destruction is good and necessary. And and Dugan Um, describes this as, and we'll get into who Alexander Dugan is in a little while, but, but I don't know if this is the way the American traditionalist, and we'll explain what that means here in a minute. Dugan describes this as the, the apocalypse or the end of the world as described biblically and but they're working to bring it on because it's good. Yes. Okay. Yes. And that's the way it is all, with traditionalists all around the world. It is really the biblical apocalypse. Not quite. Okay. So maybe right Listen here is where we start to see a distinction between between let's say a conservative Christian and a, and a, one of these capital T traditionalists. Okay. So. The way, let's say, in in the apocalypse that you would hear about in in the Bible, in that biblical tradition, it tends to be followed by some sort of heavenly utopia. Right. Right? Um, A rapture. Right. The traditionalists instead see an earthly apocalypse as being the prelude to an earthly utopia. And it's in this that might seem like a small difference there. But oh, what so, that the, the, means, so there's no Jesus returning on this one. Not not in the sense okay. that they are talking about. OK, no, they're talking about human society, secular, political, worldly, material society returning to a utopia. Right. And again, that might seem like a small difference, but it means that <laughs> destruction can become the tool of a politician. This is it's it's heady stuff um but it is critically important i have studied this for a long time the podcast is with benjamin teitelbaum um and he is a guy i I swear to you he's a he's a uh, professor but I, i he's not a crazy professor and he also i don't think he agrees with me uh on you know all of the policies but we agree on principles and uh, he is not crazy, nor is he wrong. 
And uh, when I found him months ago, I, I was like, you're my brother, man. I feel like I found a brother because there's only the two of us that are ringing this bell. And he has spent 10 years studying this. And it is critical that you understand, because as he says in this, this is not a biblical apocalypse. This is a this is a mystical apocalypse. They believe that there was this great spirituality. We're, we're talking about paganism. We're talking about, you know, the uh, the uh, Druids and, and things like this, that there was this this great. Uh, understanding of spiritualism in the time of the Vikings, etc., etc., and the only place that still has this—see if this sounds familiar to you, Stu. The only place that really still kind of has this is India, and India is the home they think of still this original people. The original people—they left India and they kind of went north into Europe. They they became the Vikings. And all of the all of the tesseract and all of that stuff. Is this any of this sound familiar? Sound familiar, yeah. Okay. Where where does it, who else did this? Who else talked about this? Who else centered their entire movement on this? I mean, this was the Nazi movement. Exactly right. Yeah. Everyone thinks that the Nazis were Christians. No, they used Christianity. Mm-hmm. They were act. They believed in this kind of stuff. And what this movement is doing is infiltrating in our churches. And it is traditionalism. Look, who who's your for instance, in Russia, who's the biggest defender of the Orthodox Church in Russia, the Russian Orthodox Church? Putin. Who's the one standing up against, um, uh, you know, lesbian marriage? Putin. Who's the one standing up against transgenderism? Putin. How's he doing it? Because the church teaches it's wrong. He images himself as the defender of the church. This is in Brazil and South America, and it is in here in America in our politics and it is a stealth foreign body that conservatives if you don't pay attention you will get swept up and you will stand with people that you think are on your side because we're against big state we we think the whole thing should just be shut down and rebooted restarted they don't believe in individual rights. They believe in a global movement. You have to go beyond the surface. And if you don't know this, chances are you could go down the road and you will be on the wrong side. This is dark, dark stuff. This is really evil stuff. I got to listen to this one. This is this weekend. Does it come out tomorrow? It, no, it's out now for Blaze TV subscribers. Oh, I canceled my uh, subscription. Oh, did you really? Yeah, that, it'll come out. Stu does America. I was very. I didn't like that it'll you guys come out added that tomorrow. show. But uh, you know who the leader is here in America, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I intentionally don't say who the leader is 
until about a half hour or so into it because I need you to understand it first. And when you, by the way, it's not Donald Trump. Uh, when you when you hear uh, who the leader of this is and who is who sat with this guy on record and talked about it in detail and and had no problem hiding any of it, it should it will show you how uh, deep this already is in America. And you are going to be blamed for all kinds of things if you don't cut this out. If you have and I'm telling you, American churches have already taken financing from these people because they they don't know the difference. They don't know the difference. Now, this is not what the left is talking about. It's not what the media is talking about. This is a real threat to the right. And I, I, I can only ring the bell. What you do with it is up to you. But uh, you need to watch this. You need to understand this and take it for more than just the podcast. Do your own homework after and do everything you can to make sure that those around you who believe in small government and the Constitution, the people involved with this, do not believe in the Enlightenment. They think that was a mistake. Does that sound familiar? That's also on the left. That's why this is traditionally not a right movement in America. But they are piggybacking onto it. Like a leech. And you need to understand it. It's available now for subscribers to Blaze TV. If you're not a subscriber, um, we take. uh, We're out front. We're the largest uh, right leaning subscription service in the world. Because of you. Um, But even that the forces that are arrayed against us, Google, Facebook, the federal government, everybody, um, you are the last line of defense. And if you find the information that we provide for you in our research, if you think that is important and you benefit from it or your children or grandchildren benefit uh, from it, I urge you to join our team and become a subscriber at blazetv.com slash Glenn. We'll save 20 bucks for you right now if you use the promo code control that's up after today. So please go to blazetv.com slash Glenn promo code control. Na, na, na.